Hello and welcome to episode 741 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terence M. Stanton. We're recording on the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Tuesday, December 12th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. I apologize for my voice. I am under the weather, <clears throat> under the weather, excuse me. Please say an Ave Maria for me. Let's begin with the Tuesday prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain a good death by St. Alphonsus Liguri. O Mary, how shall I die? Even now that I think of my sins and of that decisive moment on which my salvation or eternal damnation depends of that moment in which I must expire and be judged, I tremble and am confounded. O my most sweet mother, my hopes are in the blood of Jesus Christ and in thy intercession. O comfortress of the afflicted, do not then abandon me. Cease not to console me in that moment of so great affliction. If I am now so tormented by remorse for sins committed, the uncertainty of pardon, the danger of relapse and the rigor of divine justice, what will become of me then? Unless thou helpest me, I shall be lost. Ah, my lady, before death, obtain me great sorrow for my sins, thorough amendment, and fidelity to God during the remainder of my life. And when my last moment arrives, O Mary, my hope, help me in the great distress in which I shall then be. Encourage me, that I may not despair at the sight of my sins, which the devil will place before me. Obtain, that I may then invoke thee more frequently, so that I may expire with thy most sweet name, and that of thy beloved Son on my lips. Nay more, my lady, but forgive my boldness. Before I expire, do thou come thyself and comfort me with thy presence. Thou hast granted this favor to so many of thy devout servants. I also desire and hope it. I am a sinner, it is true. I do not deserve so great a favor, but I am thy servant, love thee, and have full confidence in thee. O Mary, I shall expect thee. Do not disappoint me of this consolation. At least, if I am not worthy of so great a favor, do thou help me from heaven, that I may leave this life loving God in thee to love thee eternally in paradise. Today, friends, we are going to take a look at an article from the Fatima Center located at Fatima.org entitled Fatima and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Editor's note, and this is by Mr. David Rodriguez, the content editor over there at the Fatima Center. He says, if you are unfamiliar with the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, we suggest reading the original version translated from Nahuatl into English called Nikan Mopua, herein is told. It was written by Antonio Valeriano, a well-educated Aztec from the noble class who became a devout Catholic. He received this narrative directly from St. Juan Diego, writing it down circa 1540, a manuscript copy from 1649 by Father Luis Lasso de la Vega is housed in the National Library of Mexico. The work also goes by the name Hue Talam Hukolzen. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, or The Great Event. We have it posted here and a hyperlink is given. I'm also going to give a mention to a podcast recently, and you can also check it out on YouTube. If you head on over to uh, Kennedy Hall's YouTube channel, you do a search for the lost Our Lady of Guadalupe prophecy unveiled. This is fascinating, and I'm going to read the uh, book description that's talked about on the show, how God prepared uh, the people of Central America uh, and Mexico for the Blessed Mother's arrival years and years before. It's The book is called Guadalupe and the Flower World Prophecy. I'm reading the description from SophiaInstitute.com. How God prepared the Americas for conversion before the lady appeared is the subtitle. 
At the beginning of the famous encounter between St. Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe, as Diego ascends Tepeyac Hill, he is suddenly surrounded by beautiful music and wondrous sights. Whereupon he asks himself, where am I? Could this be the place that our ancestors spoke of? The flower world paradise in the land of heaven? With these words, St. Juan Diego ties his encounter to an ancient indigenous belief system, a spiritual floral domain named flower world. This startling history was recently uncovered by anthropologists and archaeologists. In referencing this flowery paradise, Juan Diego opens up a fascinating link dating back to the very cradle of American civilization. A flower world permeated pan-Mesoamerican culture from its inception, accentuating ancient American man's yearning for a paradisical afterlife saturated with music and beauty. This is expressively reflected in flower song poems of the era, whose primary metaphor is that of a singer calling down flowers from heaven to gather in his tilma so he might share them with lords and princes. This exciting new interpretation of American prehistory lays the groundwork for a prophetical reinterpretation of the Guadalupe narrative. Joseph and Monique Gonzalez, and once again, you can check them out on Kennedy Hall's channel. Uh, they were interviewed about their book. Shed new light on the astounding events of Our Lady's appearance at Tepeyac in December 1531. They present a fresh explanation of the roughly 10 million indigenous conversions that occurred after the Blessed Mother's appearance, considered the single largest Christian conversion event in history, painstakingly tracing the latest archaeological interpretations of Flower World along with the philosophical ramifications behind the Flower Songs. The Gonzalez's make a compelling case for the Guadalupe apparitions being the culmination of thousands of years of evangelical preparation of the people of the Americas. In these enthralling pages, you will discover whether the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe was a fabrication to convert the indigenous, that the miraculous tilma is part of a larger network of miraculous artistic expressions and ideas, the five ways Our Lady of Guadalupe attaches herself to ancient traditions, that the indigenous peoples had limited exposure to the tilma, the four-petaled flower symbol that connects earth and heaven, an ancient and mysterious poem that mirrors the Guadalupe narrative, the four pillars of the bridge of understanding that paved the way for the Gospels, that the gathered flowers in Juan Diego's tilma symbolize Jesus as the path to eternal life. This hero's journey through the centuries is a love letter to the modern world that unveils in a stunning way the reality of God's salvific, salvific plan for the Americas then and now. So that is uh, very intriguing. Once again, I recommend heading on over to Kennedy Hall's channel to watch the interview and uh, buy the book. Okay, so getting back to Mr. Rodriguez's article at the Fatima Center, um, once again entitled Fatima and Our Lady of Guadalupe. He says, God often uses typology as a very effective and powerful means by which to instruct man and to strengthen him in faith and hope. And there is a footnote here that says, a type is any real person, place, thing, or event which prefigures a future reality, and it foreshadows a deepening or more perfect fulfillment in the future reality. In fact, all the events of the Old Testament foreshadow the New Testament and look to their perfect fulfillment in Christ. Contemplating divine providence in terms of typology is apostolic, as St. Paul often relies upon it. See Galatians 4, 21 through 23 and Hebrews 9 for just a few examples. 
and is clearly rooted in the church fathers. St. Augustine famously wrote, the New Testament lies hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New. Yet typology is not limited to the sacred scriptures, for God's activity is present throughout our history. In honor of our Blessed Mother, let us briefly consider the wondrous example of typology from Our Lady of Guadalupe to Our Lady of Fatima. In 1521, Hernán Cortés conquered the Aztec Empire for the Spanish crown. Historian Warren Carroll explains how Cortés and his men knew they were in a life-and-death struggle against demonic forces. They were horrified by the gruesome ritualistic human sacrifices of thousands, by the human blood, savagely drunk by Aztec priests, and by the indigenous worship of diabolic idols. According to their own testimony, these men fought for the cross and were driven by the desire to redeem a kingdom of darkness for Christ. And footnote two says, I strongly suggest reading Warren Carroll's Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness, Christendom Press, 2004. It is a well-researched work which rebuts many errors popularized today by a secularized and anti-Catholic biased intelligentsia. Too often Cortez and his men are presented as greedy, lustful, and evil men who initiated a horrible oppression of a noble people with a pure culture. Few historical narratives are further from the truth. While some of the Spanish conquistadors undoubtedly succumbed to vice, such a caricature is heavily lopsided. The Aztec's culture was truly one of the most diabolical the world has ever known. The vast majority of the indigenous welcomed Cortes' arrival and helped him defeat their Aztec oppressors. Cortes' men witnessed some of their own compatriots who had been taken prisoner having their living hearts ripped out and consumed by Aztec soldiers. In 1487, when the Aztecs dedicated their great temple to Huitzilopochtli, their sun god, who in actuality is a demon, I'm sure, who demanded human blood in order to make the sunshine, they spent four days brutally killing over 80,000 prisoners of war. A team of priests would rip out the victims' beating hearts with an obsidian knife and then toss the body down the temple. Rivers of human blood flowed down the temple, taken as a whole. Christian civilization brought about inestimable, inestimable good to the Americas. Getting back to the main text, nevertheless, the Christians' effort to evangelize the people of the Americas was proving very difficult and slow going. There was much resistance. Some indigenous would even hide their idols beneath or behind Catholic statues and crucifixes so as to feign Christian devotion. Authentic conversions were few and far between. Rumors were circulating that the indigenous were organizing a violent rebellion. Confronted by the immoral obstinacy of governing Spanish officials and the ineffectiveness of missionary efforts, Bishop Juan de Zumarraga was at his wit's end. The Franciscan bishop had a strong Marian piety, and he was fervently supplicating Our Lady's succor. In answer to his prayers... Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego on Saturday, December 9th, the day following the Franciscan celebration of her Immaculate Conception. And footnote 3 says, Note how the apparition took place on the day of the week dedicated to Our Lady and immediately following one of her most important feasts. There's a very strong typological correlation between the Guadalupe apparition, the Immaculate Conception, and the Fatima apparition. We briefly explored this connection in a previous article, and a link is given. At Fatima, Our Lady first appeared in her month, May, and performed the miracle of the sun on a Saturday in the month of her rosary. 
Although Zumaraga was initially hesitant and Juan Diego skipped an appointment with the Queen of Heaven on December 11th, the great miracle wrought by Our Lady speedily removed all doubt. Obedience was prompt, joyful, and complete. Within two weeks, the chapel requested by Our Lady had been built. A joyous procession, which included the resurrection of an Aztec, accidentally pierced through the throat by a stray arrow, carried the supernatural Tilma to Tepeyac Hill. The bishop consecrated the altar with a mass on December 26, 1531, the feast of the first martyr, St. Stephen. Footnote 4 says, A powerful reminder that following Our Lady's apparition, the blood of martyrs was still instrumental in the America's process of conversion. Similarly, the vision from the third secret of Fatima powerfully reminds us that the blood of martyrs will be instrumental in the coming revival of the faith and triumph of the Immaculate Heart. From that day on, a continuous stream of indigenous pagans came to view and venerate Our Lady's image. The Franciscans record teams of friars catechizing and baptizing thousands all day long. Over the next 10 years, an approximate 8 to 10 million indigenous embraced the true faith. We also cannot fail to note that this is the same time period when Christian Europe was being torn asunder by the Protestant heresies of Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, Henry VIII, et al., An approximate 5 million Catholics were apostatizing away from the church and the seeds were being planted for the rationalism and liberalism which characterized the Age of Darkening, delusionally referred to by many as the Enlightenment. And footnote 5 says, A great irony is that if anyone honestly looks at the historical and scientific evidence behind the tilma of Guadalupe, it is undeniable that it is miraculous. Our Lady provided tremendous scientific proof just before the exaltation of human reason and the age of science dawned. For example, to this day, the best scientists and artists with modern technological tools are unable to explain, let alone reproduce the tilma. Infrared analysis reveals it has no brushstrokes. The materials of which the colors consist are unidentifiable. The magui, cactus plant material, should have decomposed within 20 years at best, yet it still exists in perfect condition 500 years later. Reflections of those in the room when Our Lady appeared have been found imaged in her pupils in perfect accordance with optic laws, though these laws were not discovered until the 19th century and her pupils could not be magnified sufficiently to observe this until the 20th century. Two books on this subject, which I strongly recommend, are Not Made by Human Hands, by Thomas Seno, S-E-N-N-O-T, Franciscan Friars, 1998, and The Wonder of Guadalupe by Francis Johnston, Tan, 1993. The inevitable progression of these errors, clearly delineated by Pope St. Pius X in the rise of agnostic Freemasonry, the divorce of church and state in liberalized democracies, the birth of atheistic communism, and the exaltation of man by modernism. It was as these terrible errors were coming to full fruition that Our Lady appeared at Fatima. Our Lady's apparitions at Tepeyac clearly serve as type for her apparitions at Fatima, just as the Americans were under diabolic dominion, Christian Europe, and the world had fallen under the terrible control of Satan. The 19th century was riddled with revolutions that dethroned Christ and rejected his social kingship. Pope Leo XIII had warned that Freemasons were no longer concerned with hiding their attacks on the church. He also experienced a supernatural vision in which he heard our Lord grant Satan more time and power and more power to attempt to destroy the church. 
And already in 1903, St. Pius X had written in E. Supremi Number 2, who can fail to see that society is at the present time, more than in any past age, suffering from a terrible and deep-rooted malady, which, developing every day and eating into its inmost being, is dragging it to destruction. This disease is apostasy from God. And St. Pius X is writing that in 1903, my friends. Our Lady of Guadalupe came when much of Christian Europe was abandoning the Catholic Church. She came to Fatima when the vast majority of the world was rejecting Christ's true church. The Blessed Mother came to America when the world was poised to change dramatically on account of geographic discoveries. She came to Portugal when the world was on the verge of changing even more drastically on account of technological discoveries. While Our Lady came to the Americas after they had just experienced war and were on the verge of a potentially far worse one, she came to Fatima when Europe was in the dying throes of the Great War, later to become known as World War I, which would also soon be followed by a far worse war. A bishop pleaded for her aid in 1531. Similarly, Pope Benedict XV begged her heavenly assistance on May 5, 1917. And the final footnote, number six, says, Our Lady answered both of these prayers promptly and in a manner far beyond what could have been expected. This should serve as a reminder of how powerful are the prayers of a bishop when he seeks Our Lady to accomplish God's will. Can we imagine how powerful would be the prayer of consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by the Pope in union with all the world's Catholic bishops? And as you know, we've been over this many times and reasonable people can disagree as to whether or not uh, the consecration performed by Pope Francis and the, the bishops in the world was a, a valid one or not but we need to keep making our first Saturday devotions and, and do our part, of course. Okay, returning to the main text, it says, Our Lady of Guadalupe came with great maternal solicitude, saying, Am I not here, who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not your fountain of life? Are you not in the folds of my mantle? In the crossing of my arms, is there anything else you need? She taught that if we turn to her, she has the power to protect us from all dangers. We hear this re-echoed yet in a more intense manner at Fatima. And she lets us know that at this moment in history, only she can help us. Yet her rosary has now been given more power and efficacy by God than ever before. There is no problem, personal, social, or global, be it however great that prayerful recitation of the rosary and Our Lady's intercession will not solve. Even now, despite the malevolent torrents which seemingly overwhelm us, she has the unlimited power to protect and save our souls from any and every danger. This typology then extends to the great miracle of the tilma and the great miracle of the sun. We hope to provide a reflection on this in the future. So ends the article. Thank you to Mr. Rodriguez and the good folks at the Fatima Center. I'm going to conclude by mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach. Available on the web at halo-soma.org. Also, please tune in to episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast for more information pertaining to RPM. That is a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was about eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know that she's a comprehensive genius thanks to her hard work and that of her family, uh, breaking through to open communication via RPM and God's grace above all else, she composes music. She's a skilled poet, very gifted in regards to mathematics. Uh, she knows foreign languages. 
communication is a human right. And this is as big of a breakthrough in terms of communication as sign language was for the deaf or in terms of being able to read as Braille was for the blind. But we need your help. So please spread that website in those episodes of our ladies podcast because you can imagine how sad and frustrated you would be if you were in a prison of silence and you could not communicate your most basic thoughts and feelings with the people you love the most. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please tune in again next time. Goodbye and God love you.